Hey, you guys, welcome back to For Eternity and Until. Today I'm talking to Michelle Donnelly and we're discussing how God feels about abuse and divorce. And it was such a great discussion. I actually decided to split it into two different episodes so that they weren't too long. Part one is going live this week today. And then next week you can expect the second half of our conversation to go live. Couple announcements. Our Ephesians Bible study is live. And there are so many of you guys that have joined in and decided to dive into the book of Ephesians with us. The study comes with 12 audio lessons and an ebook and a private community Facebook page as well. Go to www.foreternityandentil.com and snag it for yourself. Maybe invite a friend to come and dive into the book of Ephesians with you. If you believe in the work that we're doing at For Eternity and Until, and you want to be a part of helping us fund some of the upcoming projects that we are working on for the second half of this year, then buy us a cup of coffee. There is a link in the show notes below. Throw us five bucks. It really does go a very long way so we can continue to impact the lives of women to empower them to live for eternity now. You're listening to For Eternity and Until, where together we uncover how to bring heaven to earth in our everyday choices and live the life we were created for. I'm your host, Tori Mayhine, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's get this party started. I'm here with Michelle Donnelly. She's the founder of Agape Moms, host of the Christian Single Moms podcast. Wow. We're in her she shed today. <laughs> yeah, so and good. she just gave me, it's called Singer's Extra Strength Soothing Throat Spray that I almost just gagged. It's so bad. And so it was bad. funny because I told you it was going to be bad. I was She's like, this like, is gnarly. It's really gnarly, <laughs> but it might help. And I'm like, <laughs> She didn't even believe me. She went for two sprays. I did. I went for two sprays just right off the bat. And I'm like, oh, good to know. Um, I'm going to have to get me some of that, though, because you're the pro here. (laughs) Oh, I know. Okay, I can't wait for this conversation. We talked yesterday on the phone. And you guys, Michelle's heart for you listening to this episode is for freedom. And she is specifically called to Christian single moms. Michelle, will you just give us a short background of your story and what brought you to starting the podcast? It's always strange to know exactly where you tell your story mm-hmm. because for me, this is not even necessarily a story of a marriage that crumbled mm. and resulted in a divorce. Mm-hmm. This to me is a story of rescue that God has been working through my whole entire life. Come on, yes. And so did he use a divorce though to bring about that healing and restoration mm-hmm. that was a lifelong endeavor? 100%. Yeah. And what he did in that divorce was also reveal a calling to a community of women that let's be honest, don't often feel seen Mm -hmm. in Christian ministry, in churches. Being a single mom in the Christian space is still difficult. Yes, it is. And so what he did, though, in carrying me through that difficult season was show me the things about myself that I did not ever see, Mm. that I ended up in an unhealthy marriage because of many, many factors, but one of those factors being that from childhood, I had a misunderstanding of him, yes. of myself, 
yes. and how that would cause me then to be in relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. And so as far as the divorce is concerned, there's, a, of course, a lot of relational brokenness and things that happen just between two people mm-hmm. in that situation. But the freedom came in first releasing that and then releasing all of these lies I believed about myself. Mm-hmm. And those were things that I'd been carrying around for the longest time. And so that's where I suppose in terms of my story though, you know, I had met my ex-husband in high school. Again, very young, didn't know a whole lot about myself or about relationships, what was tolerable, what was not, what is healthy, what is not, what is abusive, what is not. Yeah. And so moved into a relationship that was always unhealthy. I knew it was always unhealthy. And yet I had sensed at that time that this is a thing that, you know, well, this is, it's not a great situation, but hey, isn't, isn't marriage hard? Isn't that what mm-hmm. we're told all the time, you know? And, and I'm not perfect and we can all be there for each other, right? And, you know, I can walk with this person and all this kind of thing. But unfortunately, that was a recipe for disaster. And so I was about 10 years into marriage before mm-hmm. finally going to a counselor and saying, I don't know what to do with this situation. Yeah. And her looking at me and saying, do you know that this is abuse? Wow. And I was dumbfounded. I couldn't even imagine that that would be the word that you would apply to the things that I was experiencing. Wow. And I think it's because we think that that's going to look a certain way. We yeah. think that we're going to mm-hmm. see that coming from a mile away. And it's true. You know, it's, it's not going to be as underground as most often it is Mm -hmm. and so in the midst of that though God started walking me through a healing journey really of the last four or five years of the marriage in which he started to reveal to me not just the truth of the situation but the truth about myself Mm -hmm. and how I wanted to be his girl in the middle of this that if this was going to be my story I and I had the thought God's going to heal this God can restore anything so you know yeah. I'm just going to go charge after him and you know a lot of the times that the advice that women receive in these instances is well your husband could be won over without a word by your good example and that right. is biblical that yeah. can happen mm-hmm. but it doesn't always happen and in the case of an abusive situation that's not even the most biblical way to handle an abuser mm-hmm. It only enables them most often. But in the midst of that, what God was revealing to me was a separation in my heart and a separation in his heart and that we were not on converging paths, Mm. that we were not being drawn closer to him together, that there was actually a separation that was occurring here. Yeah. And so there were some things that at the end were just absolute deal breakers and ended up just the marriage completely being over and in the midst of that though I remembered saying to God well what are you going to do with me now feeling yeah. like I'm discarded I'm disqualified mm. I don't have a place and the Lord whispered to my heart so clearly as he does when we're in broken places mm-hmm. he said I'm going to use you right where you're at wow. and in that season he was telling me things like I make all things new. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, okay, all right. That's right. And I had blogged a little bit in the past. And as I do, I'm a verbal processor. And so I was. (laughs) So am I. Join the club. I know. (laughs) Welcome to like every podcaster ever. You can't like be a podcaster without being some sense of a verbal processor. (laughs) And so um, in the midst of this, though, it was uh, blogging and writing was where I really started 
just processing through all these various things, things I was reading in the word Mm -hmm. as far as what does God say really about abuse and divorce and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What does he say about restoration? What does he even say about himself and who I am? And as I was processing these things, I really didn't expect that this was going to go very far as much as I was wanting to be faithful to just put it out there. And if it was going to help someone else, that's where I was. Right. I knew it was at least called to do that. You said that the redemption process was lifelong. Mm -hmm. Could you go back to what were some of the foundational beliefs to find yourself in a marriage that was broken at the very beginning? So I, in my nature, have a very performance-oriented perspective Mm -hmm. about my worth, or have had, I should say. Yeah. As a child, I was the kid who did everything. I was the A-plus student. In high school, I was the captain of the track team, captain of the dance team, captain of the mock trial team, like all of the things. Mm. And that made me feel like I was worthwhile. That made me feel like I was doing my part to contribute to the life that I've been given, to Mm. make God proud of me, to make my parents proud of me, to make me proud of me. And some of where that really got even more tangled up was I grew up in a really legalistic denomination. And while I have an excellent relationship with my parents, growing up in this particular denomination, also going to a school of that denomination, I just felt it ingrained in me that God was disappointed in me. And that I needed to do a lot of things to make sure that he wouldn't be mad at me or to make sure that he would approve of me. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of a combination, I think, of just these various things but he showed me that over time started to show me in my healing process that I was settling because I didn't really think I was worth a whole lot and the strange thing is if you ask people who've known me my whole life they'd say oh no Michelle's a go-getter she's confident Mm -hmm. and some of that's true some of that though is based in what I can do and not who I am yeah um it's changing it's i'll say it's mostly changed but (laughs) it's still so fresh to me it is yeah i mean even during covid where you where i couldn't do anything you know it was i was going insane because wow how much do i tie up my sanity into producing things. It was a very refining process Mm -hmm. for me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots Mm -hmm. of revealing of those broken beliefs that needed to be dealt with with the Holy Spirit. And the interesting thing in the midst of this though is, so you'd think like, okay, so you have this traumatic divorce that happens and you start going on this healing journey and you think maybe that's going to be something that's going to like flick on all the light bulbs. And while some started to go on, (laughs) uh, I didn't date for like really the first 18 months. And then when I started dating, I kept having similar problems. Mm. And while the relationships weren't necessarily as toxic as what I had been through before, they weren't really going anywhere. They weren't really fulfilling. They weren't really great. Yeah. You know, and so I had to take a good hard look at myself after a few of those and say, oh, my goodness, I'm the common denominator. What is going on here? And that is where God revealed to me really all those places where the reason you don't know what you are matched for, what what would be equally yoked for you in terms of spiritual and emotional maturity 
is because you don't you don't see the things I've put inside of you. You don't see the gifts that I've given you. You don't see them as gifts. You don't see yourself as treasured the way that I treasure you. We would be so much more careful with ourselves if we knew what was inside of us. Come on, it's true. We'd be so much more careful with who we entrust things to. Mm -hmm. And I know some of you listening are like, I don't trust anybody. (laughs) Sure. And there's some that listen that literally when I ask them uh, those questions, what problems do you solve? What worth do you have to offer? What value is yours? They don't have the answer to that Mm -hmm. question. They're like, I'm just kind of existing with my kids Mm -hmm. and my life and which is the whole purpose of the podcast. How do you engage in that eternal reality mm-hmm. of who God has made you to be for eternity and you're until yeah. like living it out. Maybe you're not walking through the same stories as Michelle, but maybe you're in a position where you're still navigating that question. Where is my misplaced identity and where am I hinging my worth? Is it on performance, a lack of perform, like, you know, yeah. that greater picture. Well, and I think you have to look at it and say, so often it's easy to take a gifting mm-hmm. and let it go out of control. So do I have giftings that lead to production? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's good. It's when I stuck all my worth in it. Absolutely. That was where the problem came from. Yes. So the first thing that I had to do to really get this all oriented correctly was just enjoy God and be enjoyed by him. I had to know that these gifts that he put inside of me were actually pieces of himself. Mm-hmm. That our spiritual giftings are these components of his likeness that he's put in us. Mm-hmm. So in exercising those, we get to know God more in that way. So for example, I'm a very creative person. God is a creator. So every time I create, I'm experiencing God within me. Yes. Oh, I'm just like, I'm getting Same. lit up even just saying this, you know? <laughs> and and it's so amazing. It's so beautiful that it's like, wow, I get to know you in this way. This is something I love, but this is part of who you are. Yeah. And so then when it's just a free-flowing experience and there's enjoyment all around that, now it's something that I want to use as an outpouring mm-hmm. to express to other people, to myself, just how magnificent this God is. I went and did a study of Romans this year. And in chapter 12, it talks about the variety of different spiritual gifts. And there Mm -hmm. are other places where other parts of the Bible talk about spiritual giftings. And it talks about, you know, um, people exercising their gifts. So if you have the gift of preaching, then in your preaching. And if in teaching, then in teaching. And it says in exhorting, then in exhortation. And I looked at that and I went, I don't think I've ever looked up what that word exhortation really, really means. To this point, I had thought I'd had a a spiritual gift of teaching and that I was just really bad at it. And so as I started looking up exhortation, it's about encouraging people. And I I just burst into tears because the Holy Spirit awakened me in that moment to go, Michelle, you're an encourager. (laughs) I feel like we talked about this weeks weeks and weeks ago where I thought the same thing. I Mm -hmm. thought I was a teacher for a really long time. And it wasn't until a friend of mine looked at me and said, well, she used the word, you're a communicator, you're an encourager. And then I went to the word and it was like, oh, they call it exhortation. Yeah. Oh, it's encouragement. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've been trying to be something that I'm not. 
Yeah, and the thing yeah. is, people would tell me things like, oh, you have a really great ability to put things into words or mm -hmm. to distill down the big picture things into some practical steps. And that's yeah. really what encouraging is all about is mm -hmm. how do I take what is being taught and put it into your real life? Yes. And, but so anyway, that's what I have to say though. If you're listening and you're like, oh, I have nothing to offer, <laughs> like, yes, you do. There's been many conversations I've had with women who are navigating broken relationships, whether they are mentoring somebody who's going through um, this brokenness in their marriage or they're navigating through it themselves. And one of the things you said when you were first sharing your story was that you met with this counselor and she was able to identify for you what abuse actually was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear a lot of people say, I can't leave or divorce is absolutely unexcusable unless xyz they have like one thing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> two, you know two things in scripture mm -hmm. that gives them the ability to leave this abusive situation and their focus is so much on rightness you can take this however you want to take sure this thing. okay but i just want you to answer that question because i'm sure that you have answered it more than once and you have a better answer than what i could offer yeah sure so where this really has to start from is what does God think about abuse, first and foremost? And really, what is abuse? And yeah. so if we understand, firstly, that abuse is a person's attempts to exert power and control to limit you from being the God-given individual, or rather to limit you from, from exercising your God-given separateness and uniqueness and individuality. Yeah. Each of us have a distinct image of God. Each of us is an image bearer. Mm -hmm. And anything that would cause that image to be distorted or marred, whether that is physical abuse, whether that's name calling and emotional abuse, whether that is sexual abuse, it can even be financial abuse, it could be spiritual abuse, anything that is to distort reality for you and leaves you feeling worthless or confused, anything like that. And so the thing is, when we start understanding what these behaviors are, we can actually see that the Bible talks about them. Mm -hmm. There's two distinct passages that I usually point women to. So the first is in Proverbs 6. The second is 2 Timothy 3. And if I start with Proverbs 6 first, it says that there are six things, seven that the Lord hates. Mm -hmm. And it talks about lying lips, hands that are quick to shed blood, mm. people who create division. Wow. God hates that. He hates when relationship is distorted mm -hmm. to be used for the benefit of one person. And if we really look at what abuse is, that's what we're talking about. This person is intentionally exploiting a relationship for their own personal benefit. Yeah. It is not about mutual sacrifice. And when you've not ever really, though, been in a healthy relationship where you've seen what mutual sacrifice is supposed to look like, right. sometimes it's easy to explain away and say like, oh, well, maybe they have a bad temper or maybe they just don't deal with stress well. Very often there's, you know, some kind of backstory where there's some pain there and it's, yeah. you know, you can point to, well, they had a rough childhood, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that is not a reason to explain away character flaws. That's right. 
And I think that's the point we have to talk about is that these behaviors indicate a heart problem. This is not just difficulties. This is a heart that is turned away from God and turned towards itself mm-hmm. in which the self is propped up to be an idol. Wow. And then exploiting relationships and people and resources around them in order to continue to bolster their own self-esteem, mm-hmm. their own sense of worth. Mm-hmm. As we move into 2 Timothy 3, it also talks about Timothy is is being warned by Paul. And Paul is saying to him, hey, you know, you're going to see people. And in the last days, people are going to be lovers of self. They're going to be abusive. They're going to be, they're going to look godly even and did not, and have n- none of its power though. Yes. And this is where we have to recognize Paul was warning Timothy that these people are going to be in your church. Mm. These are not just going to be wolves that you're going to know, see them coming from the outside. Mm-hmm. These are going to be people who are going to look like model citizens within your church. And this is what's going on behind closed doors. Wow. Though. Yeah. And if Paul thought it was important enough to tell Timothy about it, we should also take heed because Paul was handing off the ministry to Timothy at this point mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to die. I want you to be aware though, Timothy, right. that this is what's out there. And Paul tells Timothy Stay away from people like that. Paul does not pull any punches. Mm -mm. Paul is saying these people are dangerous emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. We have to be on our guard. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to practically how are you supposed to really deal with this, Jesus lines out in Matthew 18 what you do in the case of a person who's unrepentant in their sin. And I think the difficulty here is that because there's a manipulation that's happening, it's very easy for an abuser when they're called out to step back for a little while and appear as though they are going along with things, appear Mm -hmm. as though they are going to counseling, trying to change things. Maybe, you know, they're, they're, They've started a new routine. Maybe they're going to an addiction recovery group, whatever it is. Yeah. They may for a short time do those things just to get you to believe that things are shifting. Yeah. And then you'll let your guard down and let everything go back to the way it was. But all this does really is perpetuate the cycle mm-hmm. where they know that they have the ability to calm your fear for a while or to play play the game as it needs to be played so that you don't extract yourself you don't leave you don't enforce a consequence yeah and Jesus was always this was so clear in the in the gospels about knowing a tree by its fruit and examining people by the things that they do not just what they say and over long periods of time I mean if we really think of even the metaphor of a tree bearing fruit there's no overnight bearing of fruit right (laughs) like a a tree does not just like overnight all of a sudden like oh my there's apples on it like Mm -hmm. this is something we're meant to watch over periods of time and see does what they say and what they do really match Mm -hmm. is the fruit of their life apparent not just in their home life is it apparent in church community in their job in in all of these facets of their life and jesus said you can talk to the person directly and if they don't listen to you get somebody else in there with you Mm -hmm. they don't listen to you Take it before the church. And if Mm -hmm. they still don't listen, then you need to walk away from this person and treat them as an unbeliever. And what he was saying to us there is you cannot have close, intimate relationship being connected to people who are not walking with me. Yeah, without repentance. Correct. Now, 
we all know people in our lives who are unbelievers and mm-hmm. we are called to minister, right? Like we can't just like shut the door on all unbelievers, oh, yeah. right? For sure. But what he was pointing to is within the body, within our closest relationships, that there right. needs to be unity mm-hmm. within the body. Mm-hmm. And whether that is a marriage relationship, a family relationship, a business partnership, that anybody you're going to be very closely tied to, influenced by, connected to, that there needs to be a submission to God, mutual submission to God by right. all parties. Yeah. And if there's not, and that is going to be evident in the way that they live their life, then you need to create some distance mm-hmm. there. And the problem is that's not what happens in most ca- most cases from women that I hear. That is not ever the way that they've been taught to understand abuse. And it's tragic because the consequences are devastating. And something that often women will struggle with is either they get totally wrong information and often really well-meaning. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, women who are seeking help, they're seeking it from people who really want to help them. They just don't know how, though. Right. And so then sometimes it can prolong the process. Uh, marriage counseling is a great example. Mm-hmm. Lots of women in these situations are told, go to marriage counseling. Marriage counseling is not recommended anytime there's an abuse situation because it's another method where the abuser is able to sit before someone else and create this facade of who they are, what the scene is, and use the information that's being presented against their victim. Mm. And, you know, so let's say, for example, even that the counselor says, okay, you're doing this, you're doing this. You know, each of you has something to work on. Uh, Very often the abuser will walk away from that, completely not hearing what it was the counselor said they needed to do and will say, oh, well, I only do this because you do this. See, the counselor said that you do this. And so it's another method to emotionally abuse that person. What is the other option other than marriage counseling? individual counseling. Okay. So that's where, and this is where everybody has to do their own work and that's the biggest problem with helping people to understand abuse dynamics it's not a relationship problem Mm -hmm. you cannot cause somebody to abuse you i don't care how unpleasant you are can you say that one more time (laughs) you cannot cause somebody to abuse you (laughs) could we repeat that yes put it on a t-shirt we're gonna it is not your (laughs) fault it's not your fault think of it this way tori if you are like a nag of a friend, mm-hmm. right? Like I you're always sometimes. just like so unpleasant to be around, right? <laughs> yeah. I can tell you, I can sit down with you and say, hey, Tori, this is hard for me. Mm-hmm. I can decide not to spend as much time with you. I can pray for you. Yeah. <laughs> I can go seek help from a counselor to learn how to deal with you. There's all different methods of things I could choose other than abusing you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you have a second, leave a review or post a comment here on the podcast page. It helps this podcast to be seen by other people so we can spread this message far and wide. I cannot wait until next week and I'll talk to you soon.